Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Grace City Church podcast. If you would like more info on our church, you can visit gracecityboston.com. Now let's get to the sermon. Hey, welcome to Grace City. Whether you are watching on Sunday morning and you are at home or you're in bed, maybe at your kitchen table, or whether you are here and you are with us uh, on Wednesday, we are we are so glad that you are here. It is encouraging when God's people get together. They they worship His name. We glorify Him. We we are growing together. We're edified together. It's a good thing. Like, it's a good thing to be together. And so uh, whether that's happening for you on a Sunday morning and you are chilled or whether you are here and you're, um, and you're dressed presentably, uh, that, that is something that we are, we are all about. And so uh, this is, this is going to be a great time um, and we, we're excited to hear from God's word. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, um, some of you in this room as well as uh, some of you who, who are watching, uh, my name is David. I am the church planning resident at Grace City, which basically means that I get to learn uh, from Brian, from the staff, and, and I get to learn from you, that, that I, I can see how, how church growing, how, how church starting works, and it's just a really sweet, really sweet gig. Like, it's an awesome, it's an awesome job, and I'm blessed to be part of it, and so I would love to meet you if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet. Uh, this is the last week of Psalms of Ascent. So I'm, I'm sure you wanted like another 10 more Psalms to go through. I'm sure you wanted like just, there's 150, so we could, we could go for a while, but, but uh, this is the end of the Psalms of Ascent. And so uh, this is the last week uh, for this, and, and I, have the, I have the pleasure of ending it out. Tonight, we, we're kind of going to be in some, in some different places. We're going to be uh, a, little, uh, a little all over the place, not scattered, but it, it's organized, but we're going to be in a couple of different places. We're going to talk about pilgrimage, which you probably know is coming if you've been with us the, the weeks before. We're going to talk about pilgrimage. We're going to talk about ambush. We're going to talk about Epicurus and David Hume, right? They don't usually get a lot of airtime on, uh, on Sunday mornings, um, but Epicurus and David Hume. And of course, we're going to talk about Jesus. You don't have a sermon unless you've talked about Jesus. And so uh, that, is, that is the agenda for this word. We're going to talk about pilgrimage, ambush, Epicurus and David Hume, and we're going to talk about Jesus. So before we get into that, uh, we, I'm going to read our scripture, and I'm going to pray that this be God's word. So our scripture today is Psalm 121, and so I, I would encourage you to go there. If you, if you don't have a copy of the word with you, I would highly encourage you to go to our QR code or to go to uh, gracecityboston.com forward slash portal, and that will have all of the sermon notes that you need, um, including the scriptures, so that it makes it really easy to follow along. Um, I highly encourage that you do that. And so we're in Psalm 121. Uh, let's get into it right now. It says this, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun, the sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forever. This is God's word. Let's pray together. 
God, we, we love you and we gather in, in various ways right now. We, we gather to, um, to, to glorify you. God, I pray that as we, as we hear uh, your word, God, as I, I pray that as, I, um, as I'm privileged to give this sermon, God, I pray that it only glorifies you. I pray that it is all about you, God. I pray that anything that I say that is of mine, that it falls flat. Anything that I say that is selfish, that it just goes nowhere. But God, whatever you say to convict us, whatever you say to encourage us, God, I pray that it rattles around in our minds. God, I pray that it convicts us and it pierces our hearts and that we would be forever changed. God, we do all of this for you. No matter where you are, all God's people said, amen. Amen. So let's get into this. Uh, this is, this is going to be great. And so we are going to talk about pilgrimage. If you have been here the last couple of weeks, you already know why we're going to talk about pilgrimage. But if not, this is, this is why. The songs of ascent or the psalms of ascent were sung as the Israelites traveled to and from and during the festivities uh, at Jerusalem. So during these pilgrimage or during these pilgrimages, during these journeys, these songs or these prayers would be sung on the way while the festivities were happening and on the way back. And so uh, this, this is what we've been studying the last couple of weeks is these psalms that were sung uh, there and back. And so uh, Israel most likely sung this psalm, Psalm 121 most likely was heard, was most likely sung during that journey. Probably not during the, the festivities, probably not while they were in the walls of Jerusalem, but on the way to Jerusalem, on the way back from Jerusalem, most likely this psalm was being sung. Why? Because the theme of this psalm, as we read, you might have picked this up, the theme of this song is, is protection. And so as they were journeying, they would sing this song, they would pray this prayer as protection. See, if you look at verses 1 and 2, it says, I lift my eyes towards the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And you can skim the whole psalm and just see protector, protection will keep you from harm both now and forever. And we just see that it's full. This the theme of this psalm is undeniably, it is protection. And so we, uh, we, we are confident that that the Israelites, as they were on their way to Jerusalem, as they were on their way back from Jerusalem, that they were singing this song as a prayer of protection. Like when you pray before you go on a road trip. Like when you, when you pray for traveling mercies or, or safe travels. And so this is, this is what they were doing on their way. And so the, the journey to Jerusalem, the journey back from Jerusalem, uh, has, has quite a topography. It's got like quite a geography. The terrain is, is really interesting. If you know anything about Israel, you know what I'm talking about. There's, there's a lot of desert and there's a lot of rocky hills and mountains and crags, okay? And so you are either, you are either in between these big rocky mountains or, you, or you're in between them. You're on them or you're in between them. And so you are either in the midst of all of these crags where where it's, it's rocky and it's dangerous, or, or you're in between them. And so that's, that's the terrain of Israel. Um, as, we, as we get into this psalm, uh, we, uh, there's a good word, that's an obvious word, from Charles Spurgeon, and, and it says this, it is wise to put your trust in the strong. 
It's wise to put your trust in the strong. So what do, what do rocky hills and, and sandy valleys have to do with this? As you were traveling to Israel, it would be wise to put your trust in the strong. And so if you were traveling in the valley, it was easy to be seen. It was easy to be open for, for attack from, from thieves or from bandits. But if you, were to, if you were to travel amongst the mountains, if you were to stick close to the mountains, you could be hidden from sight. And you had your trust in the strong. And so, so Israel knows this, and as they're traveling, they would travel wisely to stay away from bandits and thieves and robbers. And so hiding in mountains was safer than hiding in the open valley. Church, likewise, put your trust in the strong. See, there's all kinds of things that, that we trust in, things that are fine, things that are good. Like I have trust in my bank account. That may not be wise, right? That, that might not be the best thing, but, but I pray that it's there next time. Next time I have to swipe my card, I pray that I can trust that that's there. All right, I, 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 I trust in, in the education that I got from, from high school, from college. I, I trust in those things, right? We, we trust in our ability to accomplish. We, we trust in our ability to get things done, and, and we have a trust in that. We have trust in our, in our families, that we have good relationships with them, that we have love coming from them. None of these are bad things. These are good things. Like, these are really good things. These are gifts from God. But trusting in them is not the same as trusting in our Lord. Right? Your, our bank account, it's... It's not forever. Our, our education and our, and our occupation, our, our ability to get things done, our families, all good things. They're not forever. So, so trust, it is wise, like Spurgeon said, it, it is wise to trust in the strong church, trust in the Lord. And so we, we've talked about, we talked about pilgrimage. Um, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about ambush. And so as, as Israel, they were, they were traveling, they, they would travel close to the mountains. They would travel as much in the mountains as, as they possibly could. And so we, we, uh, we have this psalm as we, um, as we unpack this. And we're, we're going to talk about ambush as, as the Israelites, they were traveling. And so read verses 3 and 4 with me. Um, look back at your word. It's got way more important things to say than I do, but verses three and four, it says this, he will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. So imagine they're singing this to, from Jerusalem. And as they, as they pilgrimage there, at some point, they have to rest for the night. At some point, they, they, they don't make it in a day necessarily. And so they have to go to sleep. And that's a good time to, to be ambushed. That's a good time to be attacked. And so they're singing this, trusting in the protection of the strong, trusting in the protection of the Lord. And so it says, it says, your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. I almost imagine, right, I actually don't have, like, I don't have like historical documents. I don't have proof for this. So, so like put this over aside. This is just 
This is just David for a second. But I almost imagine this being a lullaby. Like putting kids to sleep. Your protector doesn't sleep. Yes, you're going to go to sleep. Yes, you, you're going to close your eyes. You're not going to know what happens for the six to eight hours. Some of you sleep way longer than that. But some, for the six to eight hours that, that you're going to be asleep, you don't know what's going on. And, and you're not awake for the other side of the world. But your Lord is. He is awake. So you can rest easy. I almost see this like a lullaby. Uh, these kids can go to sleep easy because the Lord is awake. And so as Israel, they were, they were traveling, um, they, they have to go to sleep and the Lord is still awake. And so as, as you sleep, of course, this is, um, this is a good time for ambush, right? This is a good time for ambush. I told you we're going to get there. We're going to talk about ambush. As we've been talking um, through the songs of a sin or the psalms of a sin, we, we've also been talking every week about being on the road to discipleship. So as we have been on the road to discipleship, what that really means is that this is just really practical, really real advice for what it means to follow the way of Jesus. Like, like it's, uh, it's, it's, a good, it's good to get practical advice, things that you could do, things that you know um, from people that you trust. And so as, we, as we've been talking about these Psalms of Ascent, we've also been talking as we follow Jesus what, what can we do? What can we learn that works as we, as we follow him? And ambush is on that list, right? How do we protect from ambush as we are on this road to discipleship? We are, we are following behind Jesus, and yet things from the outside will attack. Things from, from the outside will, will ambush us. And so there's all kinds of things that you've probably experience that you, you're probably, uh, you are not naive about it, right? There's, there's all kinds of things that you can probably already name before I get there. But as you're on the road to discipleship, there's a lot of things that are ambushing. There's a lot of things that are enticing off the road of discipleship, right? Think, think about when the latest tech drops. Think about it when the, when the latest um, clothes come out. I've been, I've been at the gym a lot lately. You cannot tell, I know. But you, I've been at the gym a lot lately. And I, so I've been looking at all this workout clothes that have been coming out. And every time something comes out, it's like every other week. And I'm like, man, that'd be nice. Man, that'd be nice. I would be, I'd be better if. If I, if I only had. What if I just had? And so there's this, there's this ambush that's, that's enticing off the road of discipleship. So, so there's materialism that's, that's, that's hiding off the road of discipleship. Or maybe you're in your class in, in, uh, in school, or maybe you're in your job and your occupation, and people have been telling you, hey, you keep this up, you'll go places. Hey, you keep this up, you'll make a name for yourself. You can, you can trust in that. And you start to think, hey, what if I do make a name for myself? And there's this enticing self-exaltation. And then as we, as we live our lives and as we, as we grow up and we, we learn who we are, there's, there's, there's things off the road that are just sin for so many people, be that sexual immorality, be that pornography, just on and on. There are things that want to ambush from the outside in and on the road to discipleship, we have to. We have to be on the lookout for ambush. Yet, 
there is a surprising truth when it comes to ambush on the road to discipleship. Look at your sermon notes. There's a, uh, there's a really brilliant quote in here, not me, not me, but a really brilliant quote in here by a man named Paul David Tripp, and he says this about himself. He says this, as one who has remaining sin still inside him, it is right to say that the greatest danger in my life exists inside of me, not outside of me, then wouldn't it also be the height of naivety or arrogance to think that I would be okay left to myself? See, this is, this is shocking, but the greatest ambush on your spiritual life will come from yourself. The greatest ambush on your spiritual life will be from that sin and that rebellion that still lives inside of you. And I could talk all day. Like, I can talk all day, but let's, let's go to scripture that has, that has some serious examples of this. Uh, we're going to look at another psalm, again, because you haven't had enough, right? There's, there's been not enough psalms. And so we're going to look at Psalm 51. It's also in your notes. But the context of Psalm 51 is tragic. It's absolutely tragic. There's King David, who's considered the, the, a man after God's own heart. What a title, right? A man after God's own heart. He's considered maybe the most righteous king uh, or, or undeniably the most righteous king that ever ruled over Israel. And yet he committed this awful crime, this heinous crime where he adulters and he takes a woman for his own and then he kills to cover it up. And his response is this psalm. His response after being confronted with his sin, he, his, his repentance, his broken heart is this psalm. Read this. It goes this. It goes like this. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin, for I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are, you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. Read that again. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. If there is still this remaining sin inside of us. You see, you see David, he was living that righteous Life. Nobody from the outside would have said he has to worry about ambush. Nobody would say that he would have to worry about an ambush coming from the outside in. In fact, Israel was in peace when this happened. Like there was nothing going on in the territory of Israel. He could relax. And yet the sin inside him caused this. Your greatest ambush, your greatest ambush on your spiritual journey will come from yourself. That is hard. That is hard truth, but it's true. Uh, there's there's a, a, another example that's been going on um, and come to light a lot more recently of a, of a Christian apologist. And, and you probably know his name or, or, or not. But this Chris, Christian apologist was known for some of the best airtight, ironclad theological defense. Like nobody could could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with this apologist. He was known for, for bringing people to Christ. He was known for helping get 
people pass there, their stumbling blocks. He was known for all this great work and all these great tours that he did. He had this ironclad defense of Christianity. He had this airtight rhetoric for, for those who were the most critical, critical for Christianity, and yet he had no defense for himself. None. And now it's, it's true, and all these, all these allegations are coming out that have all kinds of merit that he is guilty of some of the most egregious crimes against women. Airtight theological defense, ironclad rhetoric, and no defense for himself. Church, we have to be wary. We have to be awake to self-ambush. So we've talked about pilgrimage. We've talked about ambush. Um, we're we're going to talk about Epicurus and David Hume. Now, you might not know those names just right off the bat, but Epicurus is a philosopher. David Hume modernized one of his questions, and this is something, this is something I think we should really get into. Epicurus and David Hume. First, let's go back to our psalm, verses 7 verses 8. Let's read these together. Our Psalm uh, 121, verses 7, verses 8 says this, the Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forever. So this is the end of our Psalm. And, uh, and I don't know if you read this the way I read this. Um, the way I read this the first time, uh, I, I struggled. I mean, look at, look at verse 7, look at, look at verse 8. The Lord will protect you from all harm. The Lord will protect you from all harm. All harm. And at the very end, forever. The Lord will protect you from all harm, both now and forever. Now, that's kind of hard to believe. That's difficult. And maybe you're here and you're a Christian and you're like, I'm having a hard time getting my mind around all harm. I'm having a hard time getting my mind around both now and forever. Or maybe you're, you're watching or maybe you're here and you, and you don't believe. And, and first of all, welcome, because uh, we're, we're struggling with this together. We're going through this together. But, but maybe if, if you're watching and you don't believe, maybe this is why. Maybe this is because you, you've seen the pain and you've, you've seen the suffering and, and you've seen the evil that exists in the world and you're, and you're confused how a God who is personal and a God who is good could allow this. Well, this is where we get Epicurus. This is where we get David Hume. Uh, they have, Epicurus uh, posed a question called the problem of pain. And, and, and David Hume uh, brings it up again in the 80s, but, but this, is a, this is a question that is years, years, years old. And David Hume says it like this. It says, Epicurus' old questions are yet unanswered. Is God willing to prevent evil, but not able? Then he is impotent, or he's not all-powerful. Is he able to prevent evil, evil, but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? From whence then is evil? Or, as some put it, is he able and good? Then he's not worthy to be worshipped. You see, this is, this is obviously not a Christian, obviously not a Christian perspective, right? 
This is, this is Epicurus and David Hume as they have posed the, the problem of evil. And so why bring it up today, right? Like why, why is the psalm directing us to, to talk about this? Why are, we, why are we bringing up Epicurus and David Hume and this problem of evil at, during, during a sermon? Because I imagine there's a number of you who are actually struggling with this. I imagine uh, because this is maybe one of the biggest intellectual stumbling blocks, one of the biggest stumbling blocks to the Christian faith. And so in, in such an intellectual city, in such a deep thinking city, and in such a, in a city where, where people love to be together and, and be there heart to heart, this comes up. This comes up a lot. And so the problem of evil is something that, that I really, I really do believe, something we need to, we need to address, something we need to talk about, uh, mostly because there's plenty of people like David Hume that says, Epicurus, old questions still go unanswered. Right there at the beginning, Epicurus, old questions are yet unanswered. And that is simply not true. That is simply not true. And so I have no desire, I have no desire to see people still struggling with this age-old question when indeed there, there is solutions, there, when indeed there, there is relief from this issue. Um, so this is, this is intellectual. It's one of the biggest uh, intellectual stumbling blocks. Um, but the premise makes it fail all on its own. Right, so I'm going to try and explain this in a in a clear way. Um, but if not, uh, the bottom of your notes actually have some resources that will help you. Um, so I'm going to try and explain this in a clear way. Yet I also have a little bit of uh, I, I've 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 designed a little bit of grace in here for myself because if I don't do it that well, go to the bottom where these books and they will do a better job than I could do in in a sermon. And so the the problem of pain falls in on itself. Like it can't stand on itself. Why? Because the problem of pain says, is there a God who is that good? Is there a God who is that powerful? Well, then why evil? In the premise, it says, hey, there is this transcendent God. There is this huge transcendent God who won't do anything about evil. And so we won't worship him. In, this, in the premise, they say there is a transcendent God. And right there, if there is a transcendent God, then a transcendent God, our God, has reasons we will never understand. Right? And so this is, this is already a leg has been kicked out of the problem of pain, and it falls in on itself. If, there is a, if our God is so transcendent that he is able to do things we're not able to do, so good that we're not able to, to understand it, then he is at the same time transcendent enough to have reasons we don't understand. And so the problem of evil just falls. And so if, if this is something that you struggle with, I hope, maybe, I hope maybe a stumbling block gets crushed. I hope maybe that, that if you know someone who's struggling with this, that it no longer, then you, then you have a conversation to have with someone. But let's go back to our psalm. Let's go back to our psalm. And it says, no harm forever. It says, no harm forever, right? Verses 7, verse 8. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forever. So, so what does the psalm mean when it says no harm and, and, when, and when it means forever? There must be. 
there must be a redemption from pain coming. There must be a redemption from pain coming. Hallelujah. So this is, uh, this is put way better by Dostoevsky. And he says this. He says, I believe like a child. I believe like a child that suffering will be healed and made up for. That all the humiliating absurdity of human contradictions will vanish like a pitiful mirage. That in the world's finale... At the moment of eternal harmony, something so precious will come to pass. Something so precious will come to pass that it will suffice for all hearts, for the comforting of all resentments, for the atonement of all the crimes of humanity, of all the blood that they've shed, that it will make it not only possible to forgive, but listen to this, it it will make it not only possible to forgive, but to justify or to set right all that has happened. He says, I believe this like a child. And church, we believe this with a childlike faith. And it may seem naive. And it may seem like it's like it is not powerful. But we believe this, we believe this wholeheartedly with childlike faith that there will be a day where all of this is set right. When heaven will set all of this right. This this kid up here cannot explain it to you. This guy up here cannot explain to you how heaven will do it, but we are promised that heaven will do it. Amen. And so we've talked about we've talked about pilgrimage, we've talked about ambush and self-ambush, right? We've talked about Epicurus and this problem of pain, but you don't have a sermon unless you talk about Jesus. So we're going to talk about Jesus. And in a, no, in a non-cliche way, Jesus is the answer to all of our questions today. In a non-cliche way, Jesus is the answer to all of our problems today. Well, how? When, when we're, we were talking about pilgrimage, you put your trust in the strong, put your trust in Jesus. There is nothing stronger than a God who can defeat death. Put your trust in Jesus. Are we, when we're talking about resisting ambush, our Lord resisted ambush. He resisted self-ambush as he, was, as he was taken by the Pharisees, as he was taken by the Romans, as he was literally ambushed, he stood strong. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane beforehand, he was praying, Lord, if you would take this cup from me, if there be any other way, let this pass away from me. And yet, he stood steadfast, and he could not be ambushed. How else is, is Jesus the, the answer to the problem of pain? Hey, we, we answered this intellectually, right? The problem of pain is, is, is collapsed over here, right? So the problem of pain no longer stands, and that answers it for our minds, but, but what about our hearts, right? So like maybe, maybe you're here and you're like, David, COVID's been hard. Like you don't know you don't know what's actually happened to me and my family. Or, or maybe you're like, David, have you seen this economy? Like, what is going to happen? I, I'm, I'm getting scared for, for my job. I'm getting scared for how, how I can 
provide or how it can keep going. Or, or maybe there's a host of all kinds of other things that you're dealing with. And you're like, okay, cool. That's fine that we had this, that we had this talk, that we had this lecture, that we had this argument. But, but God's not off the hook for the pain that I feel. Let Church, God never wanted to be off the hook for the pain that you feel. Jesus, as the answer, yet again came from heaven to purposely put himself on the hook of human suffering. He came so that there would be a way that we could be redeemed from all of this pain. So he stands as the answer again and again and again. And so Jesus is, is our way. He is our truth. He is our life. And so we, we look to Jesus as the answer of all of our questions today. We look, we look to Jesus for, for everything. And so if you read Psalm 121, and this is it. This is the end of our word today. But if you, if you read Psalm 121 and you take Jesus out of all of it, right? You take our answer for everything. You, t- you take him out of all of it. Psalm 121 is hard to read. It can almost make you feel hopeless. I, I, don't, I don't know what this means. Maybe God forgot about me. Like I'm still, I'm still hurting. But you read Psalm 121 and you put Jesus in there. You can sing along with this song as, as it should be for generations and generations because he came to protect us as our protector. So Jesus, I'm, I'm not going to stop saying his name, but Jesus is the best way to end this series. As, as, we, as we remember and we reflect on the, the weeks before, we know with this pilgrimage that, that the Israelites went their way to Jerusalem. They, they ascended their way to Jerusalem so that they could, be, they could celebrate, so that they could be together in this celebration. Jesus ascended into Jerusalem during festivities, but he wasn't celebrated. He was crucified. And he lived a life that made it completely worthy of everything that we could be about. Without Jesus here at Grace City, without Jesus here, uh, we are nothing. Without Jesus up here, it's just a bunch of wind. It's just a bunch of words. But with Jesus with Jesus, he makes everything worthwhile as he is the Lord and the comforter and the protector of your life. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We thank you for, we thank you for Jesus. We can't get enough, we can't get enough of, of Jesus that he, he ascended um, to Jerusalem like the Israelites, but instead of being accepted, he was crucified. And God, this, this, this pain that we, that we experience today, this, this struggle that we, that we may be going through, God, we know you sympathize with us. You are not a God who doesn't understand. You are not a God who is alienated from us, but you are in the midst of the pain with us. And God, you, you were bothered enough and you loved us enough for this pain that you made a way for us to be away from it for eternity. And God, it is only right to give you all the glory. It is only right to raise your name 
forever and ever. And God, we thank you. We love you because of the love that you had for us first. And all God's people said, amen.